The Comedy Store would like you to know that the views and opinions expressed on this podcast are strictly those of the speakers or authors and do not necessarily reflect or represent the views and opinions held by the Comedy Store and its affiliates. Earth Girls are easy together, that's all. And we were in there just like fucking around and trying to get laid. So he thought, all right, let's keep this going. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. And then he'd say to me like, hey, did you rehearse? This and I oh was like, God. no, you took my scene partner to Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky it was scene partner. Amazing. <laughs> I was like, she wasn't here, so I can't do it by myself. Wow. Well, he, he at least like Goldblum's a great. scene partner. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of scene partners don't get that much. Mm-mm. We're good? A lot of them get just half a night at the chateau. <laughs> <laughs> Don't really? even get you, the good drugs uh, over there. You got that much? None of the gals with me got that much. <laughs> got, where are we? That's where it is. And we're in the closet. Part, where is it? Yeah. Felicia, That's nice. Funny. Oh, you're ready for your gig. Oh, yeah, you I'm gig? ready because I have a gig tonight. Oh, do you? Yeah. I. What you doing? I'm, I'm at the Bourbon Room with uh, Brazil and Tom Rhodes. Nice. Oh. The, the Bourbon Room? Where's yeah. that? It's in Hollywood, off Hollywood. I've heard of this place. Like Didn't yeah. they use it during Netflix? Netflix is a joke. I think they what, do. What time's your show? Eight. Well, I may come over there. <laughs> my my night kind of opened up. So. See, oh. exciting. Cool. Well, you guys do your dance. Yeah. <laughs> is it a dance? I like it's, it. It is. Yeah. I, I always called it on stage. I always called it going up to do my monkey dance. To go, do the monkey dance. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah to do dance. a monkey so I just dance. Just short at the dance. Because she's not a monkey. No, but I'm a monkey. I could yeah, I've done monkey shit before. Wait. I've thrown shit at the audience. <laughs> or is that ape? I'm sorry. Did I mess it up? No, that's a monkey. Uh, <laughs> the monkeys throw shit, right? Yeah, monkeys throw shit. Um, yeah, so we're rolling, Okay. I think. I can't see him. I sat on the wrong side. Usually it's me and Rick on that side in the guest yeah, he here. He has two thumbs up. Hello, how are you? That's Tony giving us the thumbs up. Welcome to the Comedy Store Podcast. Um, I was going to have Felicia as my guest co-host today because you've been on before. I've Felicia been on before. Michaels, very yes. great Felicia yes. Michaels. And But Rick is in Paris right now opening for the great Chris Rock. So he's not here. So I'm flying solo-ish. Because yes. Felicia's going to help me finally interview a real comic that we've had on in the past. But he didn't get a word in edgewise. <laughs> because we put him on with a certain somebody that we'll bring up. No, but... because like Beetlejuice, he will appear. Oh, yes. yeah, yeah. 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 You, you don't want to say right. his name three don't times. Don't say his name. Rich Wagner. Right. I am, listen, I'm like so excited that you're here and that I, I was like, oh my God, I got to get Felicia. Because you guys just did Vegas together, right? Well, no, I just got over COVID. Oh. And so I'm glad we're in the small room. But uh, so yeah, I had to cancel. And I'm all negative, but I had to cancel uh, that week and I oh, was very shoot. bummed. Oh. We were all bummed. Yeah, because I was going to drive up with Alan Bursky. And <laughs> That's once. That's once. You said it once. Okay, don't say it. I it's a drinking it game, guys. I'll say uh, say it in a different way. And uh, and then, uh, but I was uh, excited though, at least because uh, last night uh, we did uh, a show here called Age Against the Machine, and uh, Rich was on it, and he was uh, so hilarious. You know what I love? I love when like uh, some of the OG regulars come back, right? And I love that Frank Castillo like snuck up up into the belly room and just sat in the back and just w- wanted to watch you. Like, Man, when stuff like that happens. It's, it's so beautiful. Exciting. Yeah, because last night, yes, you, that show. By the way, great idea. 
Oh, thank you. Thank I, you. I because a lot of times the older comics will say, or, or OG comics, but I don't even want to say older because yeah. I'm old. Like, I'm yeah, yeah, you know, because we're the older comics now. <laughs> I'll be dead. <laughs> I might die by this podcast, and I don't know. But like, you know, I'm saying like comics that have been around the OG comedy store comics, originals, yeah, that are yeah. phenomenal comics, right? But you know they don't get booked for whatever reason they're on the road they're you know doing cruise ship, whatever they're doing well, sometimes things change you move to new york you start doing uh, cruise ships you start doing this you start doing vegas you start you know you're on a show like it but just... it never makes them not funny oh exactly because funny exactly. always stays it, yeah. it does sometimes it fades though not you, you see unless you it see... wasn't ever there i think that, that may be true too but I, but I think mainly is it, the audience has changed, so they want to see people close to their own age up there. It's just natural. They, well, Every they want somebody does. they can relate to. That's exactly what it's about. But you have kids. And I, you I have, you, I'm not saying we can't do it, but yeah. you, you want a more steady diet of younger comics. And let's face it, you're also looking for what's the next. What's the, Who's next? the next? Who's filling the right, seats? Right, yeah. Because right. they turned exactly. it into a business. And right. So, but but to see that show. Oh, no, but this explain was great. This Eddie was great. Pepitone though. Explain. Oh my God, phenomenal. Eddie! Eddie's, Eddie's he's a phenomenal. A genius, yeah. He's phenomenal. He's, yeah. he's a, an anomaly. But really. also, you think so? I watched you guys last night. Yeah. I saw like a few Retha Jones. You know, great yeah. comics. Yeah. You know, intermix yeah, with whatever. Absolutely. And then um, uh, I went downstairs. I was watching the OR. I was thinking of going on in the OR, and then I was like, you know what? I already did the main room. Don't be a you know pushy stage whatever. <laughs> Don't be a stage whore. You're already an off stage. <laughs> so I was like, just be cool, you know. And so Leslie Jones went on, great. Then at about midnight, I was walking out, and out of nowhere, George Wallace pulls up. I saw a picture. He slayed. Oh, really? Yeah. In the OR? 12.30 in the OR. Oh, That's wow. Absolutely wow. destroyed. That's I was great. like... I just yeah. saw him randomly yeah. in some airport like two weeks ago. <laughs> it was yeah, so, it was like such a cool little random like George Wallace. He's still moving around a lot. Yeah. Seems I like he's know everywhere. he's doing a movie. He's right? like, yeah, I'm doing a movie. I'm just, I'm like, great. I was like, you want to go on because it's potluck. You know, it's not like yeah. a real lineup, yeah. a regular lineup. I yeah. should say, like, you know, you can bump people on that night. It's right. Right. it's the night to do it's it. More loose, yeah, yeah, it's looser. So he was like, oh, can I? And I'm like. What? <laughs> yes, yeah. of course. And he went right up. He killed. It was great. And Frank was in there, like in the back. Oh, yeah. So like, all yes. the comics came in and said, even the waiters and yeah. waitresses That's came great. in and sat down. And I was like, that's how you can tell when the young guns come, uh, they are, are more serious, mm -hmm. uh, that you respect them more because they really want to uh, learn from uh, the other originals that were here. You know, They really want to see it and place it contextually yeah. within their historical reference of comedy. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you, you're still out doing stand-up? Oh, stand no, I love doing it. Every and and okay. I, I feel like you know that I can still do it and still get yeah. laughs and it's fun. So I keep doing it. I, and you, somebody asked me, when are you going to retire? I go, Retire from what? <laughs> yeah, right. I do what I love, so yeah, I do it one thing or another. Yeah, but you did take time off though uh, from well, doing I, it. Yeah, I did, and it, and it cost me really. When, I mean, comics when, always talk about what we give the audience, but we rarely talk about what we get from this. Yeah, and it's really a total calibration for me, you know, mm -hmm. mental, emotional, spiritual. It really it, and I stopped doing it. And I got depressed, and I gained weight, and I ended up in UCLA psych unit. Seriously. Oh shit! Seriously, I mean, it was like uh, I just stopped doing it, and I didn't realize 
what it meant to me. When you say you stopped doing it. I stopped it doing stand-up comedy. For, the I live performance, hearing that live laughter. It is the most powerful drug for me. And the comics know that. I remember talking to Greg Girardo when we did I Am Comic. Wow. He talked about the, the, you can feel, feel the laughter mm-hmm. in your bones. You can feel it. Yeah. Right? You can feel it. And that's what it is for, I think, the true comic anyway. Yeah, because it's a it it's a validation that you're okay because Immediate you're saying the most fucked up thing that you would never share with your best friend. You know that's so crazy. And then when you share it with strangers and they laugh, it's like okay, I'm not insane. Other that, people are that, thinking this too. That's right. You know? So it's a or validation. It's a, and there's that yeah. uncut approval. It is yeah. pure. Well, approval. it's attention, good or bad, because sometimes it can go really bad or phenomenal. No, and sometimes no, it's like that. There's no yeah, but or right. there's no criticism hidden in the compliment it's just pure approval yeah the laughter is and it can't be faked right it's just pure like it you just know it's like this is true approval did you for that joke for that moment yeah. right that time on stage did you take a break for a reason well i i, I started writing for writing. tv okay um and i had kids so i uh, went where the money was to, to stay home and 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 have a writing be career, in their lives right and be in their lives well tell us what you wrote on rich let the audience know <laughs> tell them richie roseanne <laughs> yes jeff fox where they showed titus becker becker these, these were the See, shows. i love becker yeah these these are the shows that i got a chance to do something with and yeah eat and stay and then i was writing for other comics too so writing material for them so it just gave me the and mine had a married man on hbo with mike Binder. oh we loved it yeah I, I say we because I was with somebody at the time. We would watch it every night. Yeah. I mean, every was yeah. it on every Sunday? It was our yeah, favorite show. That's right. That's right. So those were like great. You know, I could stay home and and teach. You know, sure. Well, I, I coached the girls in softball. That was like the best thing for me. That was the. You I know, love I became that. that guy. You know, I became dad for sure, man. <laughs> but were you like that's... an agitated coach, though? Were you that guy? I was the coolest one. Oh, okay. they loved me. I was the funniest. They. Like, I believe they, they that. Loved, and I let everybody play. I remember these parents come up there to go. Why is my why is my girl playing in the outfield all the time? She's only there this inning. She's going to rotate around. They all rotate around. Well, she needs. I feel like she's going to be a second baseman at UCLA. I said, let's just teach her how to hold the bat first. How about that? <laughs> how about we just go with the swing first? A second. They're baseman They're only lining at UCLA. up scholarships in their mind. Wow. You know how parents are, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. And then, then they come out, and I'd be like, Nah, you ain't gonna play. Yeah, not with me, you know. But we did win championships, right? But uh, so by went, the way, rotating them yeah. is the best teach you it's, could it's, ever. It's it. They it's the three. scariest thing. My coach did that to me for years. Years right. and I became a, an all star softball player because of it. And we oh, come really? to the playoffs, oh, yeah. and guess what? The best girls played at their best positions. Mm-hmm. Right, come come time for playoffs, we wanted to win. Yeah, right. So we, but during the during the regular games, you know, you find out who can pitch. Yeah, right. I wanted to be Mike Schmidt. And uh, a lot of people were like, you know, you're not. I was like, what? (laughs) Tell that to whomever. Then I would act like a boy and I played third base and then I had a wild arm. So I went to first base, just like Mike, you know. She's very physical. Have you ever seen her a little clip when she was in the ring, the wrestling ring? Oh, yeah, I was a wrestler. You got to go look at it. It's so fucking funny. But I need you to keep your pants on. (laughs) Um, (laughs) She dropped kicks. 
kick someone. You, I hope they put that little clip in this. When oh, they sh- <laughs> uh, oh, with Cher, yeah. I, I mean, Caged Heat, yeah. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. She wrote on there, how did I live through this? <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I was like, so you how did a, either one of us oh, you live can't, through I can't, this? I can't even do justice to okay. what I, Eleanor did to this chick. <laughs> I um, Well, here's the thing. I uh, went to an audition. And this is like my favorite thing with my mom because I was such a tomboy. And where we grew up in South Philly, I I played everything. Baseball, football, you name it. Like I played softball and baseball, hardball, you know. I played football. I was a quarterback. Like crazy, right? I really wanted to be a boy. And I remember um, the Phillies, they would come to our neighborhood because they wouldn't go to the projects. They were like, oh, let's go to this one right in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go right here, you know. So... They would come in our neighborhood and it was a few kids. If you were good enough, they would let you like have a catch with them. And Tug McGraw was, uh, and I'm throwing the ball and he goes, yo, this little boy's got an arm. And I'm like, it's work. <laughs> you know? Did you have a short haircut? Oh yeah. I oh, cut my really? ponytail off because it was giving me a headache in my uh, football helmet. Uh-huh. Did so, you have brother, older brothers? I have six brothers and three sisters. Okay. Yeah. okay. So I have five older brothers, gotcha. only one baby that I still call a baby. And he's like, I'm not a baby. I'm like, okay. Um, but anyway, so, you know, growing up, I like, I wanted to be an actress. My mom wanted to be an actress. So when I went to this audition, it was for Wow Women of Wrestling. And I called my mom. I go, Mom, don't get mad. I'm going to take this job. It's a wrestling job. And I know I've told this story before, but I didn't tell him. Okay, relax. So uh, I call her up. I go, don't get mad. It's a wrestling show. She's like, oh, I'm so excited. For you. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, really? And she goes, yeah, they have great women characters on that show. And I'm like, I was on a cell phone. It was 1999. I'm like, I'm going to call you when I get home from a landline. Because I was like, there's no way uh-huh. she knows what I'm saying. And I got home. I called her from a landline. My sister Karen answered. She goes, yo, you're going to be on West Wing? Oh, so. <laughs> well, anyway, she... the drop kick is phenomenal. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> well, that's cool. so she was like embarrassed. She was like, I can't believe it. She told everybody oh, really? in the family, in the neighborhood that I was going to be on West Wing. My mom did that too. Like the first time I met Robin Williams, I called my mom up on the phone. This had to have been like 1987, 88. Like that's how fucking long ago it was. And she told everyone that I, in my little town of 7,000 people that I, I fucked Robin Williams. I was <laughs> like, what are you doing, mom? <laughs> she would do so. <laughs> Were you going to be on a show or did you fuck Robin? Oh, no. Oh, I, I just I'm... met him once here, like at the store, I think in La Jolla when they had the anniversary thing. I was like, oh, I met Robin Williams. So uh, I came to town a celebrity. <laughs> 6,999 people thought I was something special. They had a parade for you. It's yeah. hilarious. Like, woo, woo, woo. She, well, my mom was like embarrassed because she was like, Ugh, you're such a tomboy. Why can't you be a girl? And so when she thought I was going to be on West Wing, this was right. So when it was wrestling, she's like, Ugh. she goes, you went from fighting in the streets to now you're fighting on TV. How embarrassing, you know? And so I was doing it and then she started watching it and she's like, yo, your kicks are off. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> so then I got better. Uh-huh. I was like, I'm embarrassing my mother. Right. I better do it properly. So I got really good at wrestling. Yes, she did. At wrestling. <laughs> yes, she Your did. mother and I probably had the same favorite female wrestler. Oh, she. The Fabulous Moolah. I love the Fabulous <laughs> Moolah. Was that a real person? <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. And the woman she who was trained the best, us. Man. Was trained by her. Oh, that's Selena great. Majors loved the fabulous Mueller, oh, and she her. speaks of her 
highly and she, I believe uh, she passed away a long time ago. Yeah. But there was some like wild uh, stuff around her. Like she had she had some discrepancies around she her life. She had a few discrepancies. Yes, yeah. Okay, thank you. She came down to our town in a personal. <laughs> She had quite a few Well, a lot of people stood up for her. A lot of people did What are you guys yeah, yeah. fucking talking about? Tell us the person This is a wrestling thing. <laughs> <laughs> none of my business. Please don't drop kick me. Um, so, yeah, I feel like she'll haunt us. Like, I don't want to get involved, but I don't know the full story yeah. behind it. I just know there was a thing, and my friend Selena was part of the whole pro. She was a good person, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And she was her mentor. Yeah, I love, as a kid, I loved professional wrestling, and then I ended up being a wrestler in high school and college, wow. and so that's how I got but involved with Andy Kaufman. What? One of those wrestlers. Yeah. <laughs> so not good. real wrestling. Good. Yeah, you had a circle. <laughs> you had to cut weight and all that kind of crap. You had to wear a crap. singlet. Huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wore jeans. Hey, now I'm imagining it. Huh? There, was some, there was some guy I had a joke. I can't remember what it was. He had a good joke. He goes, yeah, I wrestled in high school until I got an erection. Oh, <laughs> I had to quit. That's hilarious. My dad took me to a wrestling match once as a kid, and I got to watch a, a fellow wrestle a bear Ooh, for uh, a beer. That's not a wrestling match. A bear match. would wrestle for a beer. Did you see that? No, we did it. Oh, really? Wait, Wilmington, what? Delaware. Yeah, they oh, come around. It was Delaware. a carniac. It was a carniac. So this is an old bear with a muzzle on it, right? And we're all young and tough and thinking, we'll do it, right? Anybody can stay with the bear uh-huh. for like five minutes. We'd get a hundred bucks or something. Right. The muzzle's you, you the cannot, least of your worries. That's, <laughs> no, it had no claws or anything. Oh, okay. It, they it would claws. just grab you and you go, oh my God. A bear hug. <laughs> never, nothing grabbed me this strong. <laughs> they yeah. they just, it would just stand up. and your whole body yeah, together. Yeah, a scrawny little heart. <laughs> 40 pounds, you know, just grab you, go, oh my God, stop him, stop him, you know. Where yeah, are you from originally? Anyway. Pennzoil, New Jersey, a small town in South Jersey. So, okay. you know, I'm in the Philly yeah, orbit. Cl- in right, the Philly over orbit. The, yeah. right over the bridge. Yeah. Right Why over the bridge. Explain to people, because uh, I find it fascinating, like your journey into comedy and uh, through uh, all the rock and roll shows that you, you yeah. did. Yeah. yeah. Did a ton of them, man. Yeah. That's all there was. When I started, I got hooked into the sure. Productions in Washington D.C. There were no comedy clubs. This is 1977, 78. Okay. So then they they would give me because it, it's so easier for them to put me on stage for 50 bucks, or then they start paying me 100 sure. bucks instead of hiring a local band. They pay five, six hundred bucks. They got to change gotta stuff. Pay up. They everybody. just go you, use that mic, use that mic. So and in Rich Hall, he came through town and he was oh, doing awesome. it too. So. Um, I've got a lot of work. In fact, a lot of my early stage time was opening up for rock bands, jazz bands, and I learned a lot. And it was it was wild. It was great great stories. You know? Did you do strip clubs? I did one time. Okay. Uh, and in fact, it was the same place that you know Kenny Kramer, the original Kramer from mm-hmm. the Seinfeld show. He did it too. And I I walked over. It was like right around the corner from where I lived in D.C. And uh, I said, Well, I should. Somebody said, You know, they got a comedian over there. And so I watched some guy. You know, it was like I walked in one night. And some guy was on stage, like 40-some-year-old degenerate. I'm like 23, 24. So I go, I can do comedy. I want to do comedy. The guy puts me up. I was no, first of all, I didn't have any material. Oh, wow. I really didn't know any old jokes. Mm-hmm. And they and they just yanked me off in two seconds, man. I mean, there's just no way. Yeah. No way. That's and a then tough I, of course, crowd. And I, I didn't want to be there. I yeah. Really, I was like, I'm just looking for stage time anywhere. I was did it one time. My, my, my guy who was like my... We would just go anywhere. So my friend, who was sort of like my ad hoc agent, goes, fellow law school student, he says, that their place down at the Gay Cabaret has got a talent night down in southwest Washington. 
Now we're so we don't realize gay. We're thinking like Flintstones, gay old time. That's how out of it we were. Shut up. Right? Yeah. Seriously. I'm seriously. Dead. So we go down there. Oh, have. But, yeah. Yeah. Right. Like or the gay nineties from eighteen hundreds. So we get down there and the gay and guys. And you were a law school student. Law school student. Wow. That small, seems kind of. Right? That seems What's weird. Yeah. 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 I'm it, didn't, it didn't click. It didn't click. Man. It didn't click. That's very funny. So though. we get down there and you know he's very nice. The manager says, "Listen, fellas, you know normally yeah." And, Talent night, you know, right? But once a month, we do ladies' night. Again, we double down on our stupidity. Ladies' night, <laughs> this is going to be perfect. We'll be the only guys there. And we were the only guys there. And so, you know, I walk on stage. I'm a swinging dick, you know, 24-year-old. Right. I walk on stage. And these women, this is, I'm exactly the guy they're trying to avoid sure. ever interacting with. And, I mean, I fro- you know, you freeze a crowd. You know, you know. I knew. He said, you, I'm like trying to get my stuff. Finally. I said something to get it. And this is not a long time. This is like within minutes. Yeah. You know, the t- it goes, temperature yeah. went down. It feels like a million yeah, hours. Right. But it, went, it goes. It went down. And and my friend said, you go, well, I, I guess I'm your worst nightmare. I get a laugh. And again, I'm so stupid and so new at it. I think, oh, they want me to do more. <laughs> I start talking again. A woman from New Orleans. Now this I remember. She stands up, doesn't say a word, walks to the stage, takes me by the elbow and leads me off. Is it not a word said? Leads me off, just walks me out of the room, and shuts the door behind me, and that was that. <laughs> Mercy killing. That is... <laughs> euthanasia and comedy. That's amazing. Yeah, but I'd go anywhere and do anything. So the the rock and roll things were like not a problem because but there wasn't as many comedy clubs. I can't. There weren't any comedy clubs. Yeah. there was the New York City had as far as I. And I didn't even know that for a year until I was doing it for a year. Oh and wow! A friend of mine, she's from law school, said, "You know they have." They have these comedy clubs up in New York City and took me up there and that's where I saw like Seinfeld and a bunch of people mm-hmm. performing. Is that where you obviously and then I went there, started, got into clubs and stuff? Well, the, the first East Coast paying comedy club was in Washington, D.C. called Garvin's. Okay. And it opened in January 79 and I became immediately, because I'd been doing it for like two years, I, was, I became the house MC immediately. Oh, wow. And then they, they were bringing guys down from New York City and some from L.A. And that's where I met them and they were like, you got to move to New York and I started... I moved to New York. Well, t- uh, say some of the bands that you did open for. I know oh you're God. like, oh, it's... Plasmatics, uh, yeah, yeah. the Ramones, Ooh. all these punk bands, all the I like little the feet. All, I wrote up for Rick Danko. That was a, Rick Danko was from the band. Who's that Rick was, Danko? Rick Danko was a bass player and a singer for the band. It's they, called the band. They're, they're called the band, and they were a big. They were a big Sorry, group. I don't know who they are. Big group in the late '60s and That's '70s. That's how I felt about they, you the ever female see the last wrestler, Miss Moolah, whatever the fuck <laughs> her name Moolah. is. Sorry, you never. Did you ever see the last waltz? I don't it's a think great so. rock and roll movie. Okay, it's called the last waltz. Uh huh. Right, and um, so they did this like movie, and the band broke up. And then Rick Danko comes out to play this place called the Bayou in, in D.C. It was like a 500-seater. Mm-hmm. So it was like where you went at the mid-level, 500-seater. Okay. And so I got to, I'm opening act. I'm really excited because I was a big band fan. He's at like an hour and some late. The band are not there. The place is packed. It's only one show. Okay. First stop on his tour after breaking up. So they go, uh, so the guy comes over to me, Dave Williams, who was the, the cellar door production guy, says, you could got a choice. You can go on now, right, and perform while they're setting up the equipment or wait till they set up and then do your set. And I go, mm-hmm. I was smart enough to know I'll go while they're setting up because once they set up, they're only going to want yeah. to see Danko. 
So there's, the roadies are setting up. I've come out there, and I start interviewing the roadies and screwing around, and the audience is just building on me. I don't, I, they don't even think I'm a comic. I don't realize this later. Yeah. And then I do my material in between talking to the com- and interviewing people in the audience, and I'm just I'm getting big. big You're doing I, crowd work without finish. doing Yeah, I'm doing crowd work without doing And then I finish with this like five, ten-minute hunk I had about going to rock concerts, which was perfect. Kill. I mean, you enjoyed Rick Danko. Ah, I walk off. People are handing me joint stuff and coke in my pocket. Wow. Drinks. I walk back to the dress room. Rick Danko's manager's there. You're going on tour with us, man. I've never seen anybody take over a room like that since Steve Martin. You're with us, man. Come here. And he grabs me. goes back. The band guys are like, this guy's hilarious. And Danko's, they take me back. There's a big plate of cocaine. Go at it, man. Go at it. There's beautiful girls back there. I go, I'm in showbiz, man. Right? We I'm made. snorting up. I'm drinking. Danko goes on stage. He's all effed up, man. I don't realize it. He walks on stage. The band starts playing. This is called Stage Fright, which is one of my favorite songs. They start playing the beginning of Stage Fright, which he sings. He goes, you fuckers ain't ready to rock and roll. And he just drops his trowel, moons the audience, and walks off. Now, the band, they're just they're guys that just started playing with him. They don't know if he's fucking around or not. He walks back. He comes right past us into the dressing room. The manager goes in after and comes back a second later and goes, go hold him. Stuff's like some money in my pocket. Go hold him. I go, I'm your man. I go back on stage. <laughs> now, oh <boy. laughs> they don't want to see me again. Yeah. I, go, I come back out, and they're like booing, and I'm trying. I don't have any material left. Yeah. I'm doing, but I, I'm too fucked up to even remember a George Carlin bit. I'm doing like Robert Klein setups and George Carlin punchlines. Hilarious. I am <laughs> That's I am amazing. Fucked. And start, they start throwing things at the stage, hold <laughs> drinks, because they were back in the day. So glasses are flying, oh, yeah. and fucking drinks are flying. And everything's and I'm behind a drum kit now, like thinking I'm being funny, narrating it like it's a like it's a war. We got incoming here, a lot of drinks flying in here, but no, waiting for a joint because somebody right. And, and, That's great. And I look up and the guy in the sound booth is like, "Get out of there! Get out of there! Like just get out of there!" <laughs> people are crawling up the stage and people, the sad. security's pushing them back. They're coming, so I come off. Dave Williams, the, he's a big guy. He grabs you, goes. He says, no sense you walking through that crowd again, my friend. <laughs> and he kicks open the side door. He had an emergency exit yeah. and pushed me on and says, we'll be using you again. Don't worry. And just closed the door behind me. And I'm standing out. It's raining now. I'm out oh in the, in the alley raining, right? It's like a B movie. I go, uh-huh. I just had the full showbiz ride, man. <laughs> I'm going on tour, and now I'm out in the fucking rain in an you alley. You got kicked out? Oh, that you got booed? Hilarious. That's amazing. Yeah. Yep. Never where... heard from the manager again. Oh, you didn't go on tour with them? <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Where up. was, where did that take place? At the cellar. The was, cellar, was Not right. the cellar door, it was cellar production. It was called the yeah. Bayou. They had like three venues. So one was like a couple hundred seater. Like uh-huh. I saw Warren Zevon there the first time and then Ronstadt. So they come there when they first come out. Then they'd go up to the Bayou. Then they'd go to the bigger theaters. And then the Capitol Center was like Got the it. DC, you know, wow. 15,000 seater. That's but that's, it was just a 500 seater. Eddie Murphy did his uh, um, delirious special there. Oh, okay. It was a great room because it, it was tight. I mean, I can show you a picture, but they the ba- they had balconies, so the audience was so it's like, like stadium right on top, like Shakespearean. Yeah. They were right on top. Yeah, of I it. like that. Like up, like a cylinder. You're in the middle of a cylinder, and the stage was right there. That's great. So, who did you 
go on tour with, if not them. <laughs> did you go on tour with anybody? Did I, I did like uh, in in eighty five. Uh, I did like uh, a bunch of dates with Little Feet again. I'd opened them for him years before, and then I did '85. That's a, a bunch. great and name. This, oh, this year, like this. So we're on tour. So Saturday night, I'd forgotten that Kenison was coming on. Uh, that they were doing the uh, 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 HBO Young Comedian okay. Special with Rodney. I thought oh, that was wow. going on Saturday night. So we do a show, and then the next day we're going to get in the van and take off. You know, to go do another place. Everybody comes out in the van the next morning. All the guys in the band were going. Ah, ah, they were all doing Kennison impressions. Wow. And I went, oh, he's fucking gone, man. He's rocketing. Oh, did I you mean, know him already? Oh, I, I thought... knew him. I partied with him. Yeah. I knew him and all, everything. I mean, uh, you know, we were friends. I mean, he helped me at the store here. I mean, How he, long before he you came out to the, L.A.? I moved out here in 82. Oh, okay. January 82. And I became friends with Sam. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when he said, you got to, I was already set at the improv. He said, you got to play here too, man. Yeah. So within a month or two, he he said, you audition for Mitzi. And I was there when she was doing the crystal thing, you know. Always funny. Right, always funny, always a good act. What color was your aura? I don't remember my aura, but it, it, it was there. It was there. <laughs> <laughs> People are like, Mitzi's the guru of comedy. I'm like, Mitzi's crazy. <laughs> I, know. I was that like that. shit crazy. I, lo- I, lo- <laughs> I love her every minute yeah, of her. Yeah, yeah. She's haunting this yeah, place. Yeah, I talk yeah. shit about her. Yeah. I do impressions of her. <laughs> she doesn't care. But I'm. T- it is the funniest thing to me when somebody is like, yeah. well, well, your crystals are off. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, every, oh. and, and I'm, Remember so- she made uh, Jack Grayman, uh, she called him oh, Jackie yeah. Banana, and then he had to wear a yellow suit. <laughs> she wore, like, she'd come in the main room. I'm waiting tables, and she'd go, where is his jacket? <laughs> and, I, and the whole place, I'd be like, I'll get it, I'll get it. You know? Oh, and it's the perfect guy to do that, Poor though. thing. I mean, there's nobody oh. less And he's just backstage banana. like, God damn it. I know. <laughs> He has oh such a great god. face, Jack Raymond. <laughs> oh my such god! A great face. What a nice guy! Like a sweet guy. Like this poor. He just wanted to do jokes. Oh, but he was he was hell bent for destruction, man. Yeah. Oh, was he? There's a legendary, I don't know, legendary no stories about him. Sweetest guy to me. Like yeah, I started he here in '93, so yeah, yeah, I, I met yeah. that guy who yeah. was he left shortly after. Yeah, when I got to New York, guy. there's a legendary story that I you know, all these stories you hear immediately. You know, Catch a Rising Star in New York in the '70s. Apparently, like a big audition, like Johnny Carson dropping in. It might have been the one where David Say got discovered, right? right? So, like, David who? Quick, David Say got discovered, oh, okay. like, at Catch a Rising Star in New York by Johnny. Johnny had to be in New York, comes by the club. They, this you know, is going to sound awful, but I don't know who that is. Johnny Carson? No. <laughs> that was Come it. On, I got it. I, that was I, I got to take that, that shot. That, right? <laughs> got to take that shot. His crystals are off. Ah, <laughs> David Say. David Say was a New York comedian. David and, the, and if you ever, you can YouTube it. Okay. His 1977 shot was like, boom. Uh, out of, got, Carson okay. leaves his desk, goes over to Say. Okay, so this he's guy's a comic. gonna be a star. Good. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> Cut to There's, Eleanor. I don't uh, know. Exactly. Oh. And there are other reasons for that, which we won't get into now. Okay, okay. But this is a Jack Grayman story. Oh yeah. So okay. This is what I heard. That they go, they're gonna all the, the A hitters of the club are gonna get a chance to go in front of Johnny. So Grayman's gonna go on, and before he goes on, Rick Newman, who owned the club and ran the club, says, Jack, whatever you do tonight, don't do your wings joke. Don't do your <clears throat> wings, Paul McCartney band, right? Don't do that joke. Well, that's a red flag in front of a bull yeah <laughs> walks on stage what do you call pig with wings linda mccartney paul mccartney and linda mccartney stand up in the middle of the crowd <gasps> and walk, walk out. out no there's a tight small room it was always well lit you could see everybody because bells like to do crowd dead. work and 
the crowd was dead for the next four acts. The next wow. four acts bit it. You know what I mean? But that's just like one time what? here, Larry Scarano was uh-huh. on stage and Sean Penn was in the crowd and he unloaded on Madonna. And it was like, everyone's like, don't do the Madonna jokes. But this just once again. Yeah, right. Did Sean get mad or did he yeah, just got pissed? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I feel like Sean would sit there and be like, mm-hmm. And, <laughs> you know, like just kind of play devil down. But It ain't just Will and Jada. There are a lot of celebrities yeah. who don't like to be run down. <laughs> That's weird, isn't it? Isn't it weird? But then why come out? No, yeah. but why didn't somebody tell Jackie that they were there? Tell who? Jackie Jack Greenman. Greenman. He told him. I just told you. Rick Newman oh, told him, don't do that joke. Oh, no, but no. he said, don't do the joke is one thing. Yeah. Don't do the joke he might, because He Paul's might have actually told him, too. I don't know. There's a whole nother I don't, subject. I don't wow. know. But there's a reason. I don't know if he told him or I mean, not told him. it's Paul yeah. fucking McCartney. Yeah. Like, I, I by know. the way, as soon as you said the joke, I knew it because he was still doing it when I started. <laughs> <laughs> With or without the bananas. So I don't know what the correlation was. A joke that hateful, you don't drop overnight. You're not wrong. (laughs) Now, let me ask you this. So, like, uh, uh, does it surprise you that from having started comedy, not really knowing that much about it, you were at the forefront uh, in, in certain ways, that you are like a very knowledgeable person about the history of stand-up comedy. Like, like, 100%. are you so surprised with that turn of events for yourself? Yeah. 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 I mean, I got embarrassed a few times when I first started about how ignorant I was. You know, you know that story about Maury Amsterdam. Uh, what do you mean? I what? met Maury Amsterdam. He was over at Cantor's one night. We were over there drinking and eating, and I see Maury Amsterdam at another table. So we go, we're all full of ourselves, you know. Hey, Maury, how you doing? Time right? Maury Amsterdam, again, was a big-time comic back in the, Thank you. Uh, the day. He wrote for Will Rogers. Now, if you don't know who Will Rogers was, one of the I, greatest American humorists, he wrote for him when he was a teenager. Wow. And then he became, he became a guy who, was, who had his own TV shows when they first started TV in a late 40s and 50s okay. he was a stand up comic and he and he was on the he played Buddy Sorrell on the Dick Van Dyke show which is a Carl Reiner's huge yeah. hit show in the early 60s okay so this is like 1982 83 we go over to talk so this is a big deal yeah big this, deal and okay. he's in his 70s now wow. oh, <laughs> yeah, wow. okay that's that just a sense how better. old the guy was he's older than I am right now hard to believe so, <laughs> Shut up. Yeah, so we go over and we're like, hey, you know, we're young comics. He's like, ah, I go over to Bud Freeman's place. It's fantastic. Love what you do over there, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we don't we do not do jokes like you guys did jokes. We talk about real things in our lives. Oh, uh, yeah, tell me one of those things you do. I told him one of my jokes. He goes, that was done by Ricky Craig Jr. 1929. Oh. Every time we told him a joke, he told us who did it and when. Same version. He said, the only ones you might fool me on are maybe some of the drug jokes, but most of those can be translated in that booth. That's place, right. right. But other than that, pretty much it's all the same. Right? So that, and and I had another experience where I was over at the, when I first came out here, the evening at the Improv, the two evening Improv in the fall of 81, we're at the Tropicana Hotel. Now, the Tropicana used to have uh, Duke's, uh, rec- restaurant right there, right? Oh, top, right? And it was famous it was rock Santa and roll Monica, hotel, right? Right, it was it, on yeah. Santa Monica, famous rock and roll hotel. Oh, famous a hotel. Right? I'm a thinking hotel of Duke's up on Sunset. Yeah, but... and Duke's was the restaurant there. But that the was the Duke's, but right. it was right. original, tro- originally it. in the tro- right. Right. Yeah, so, I missed that place. So Duke's I, was good. Yeah, Duke's was great. Good. So I'm, I'm, I'm always, I'm, I got a leather jacket, a you know, motorcycle jacket, and I got t-shirt and jeans and. 
kind of longish hair. And I go in there to have breakfast one morning, and sitting at the counter is Tom Waits. Now, I'm a Tom Waits okay. fan. That one you don't have to explain. Okay, Tom Waits. At least okay. So <laughs> I'm not used to Hollywood. I don't have the cool, you know. I'm hungover, and I just go, Tom Waits. I blurt it out, right? And I go sit down, and he brings his plate over and sits down. What band you in? I go, no, I'm not a band. I'm a stand-up comedian. Now, most times back then, you tell somebody you're a stand-up comedian, they go, oh. Tell me a joke. Oh, my. No, no. no. Oh. You go, never met a stand-up comic before. He goes, <laughs> oh, he, wow. he, he's like, really? You know, uh, he starts talking to me. He's knowledgeable. You ever hear of, uh, and he starts naming all these comics, and I don't know. <gasps> like I'm, me. I feel like you. Right. With Tom. Right. I'll just I call don't you know. Tom. You know, he's just going on. He goes, how about Jackie Leonard? You know Jackie Leonard? No, I don't know Jackie Leonard. And after about two minutes of this, he just takes his plate and leaves. He's like, this fucking guy doesn't know nothing. And I was embarrassed. I bored Tom Waits. <laughs> oh, my the, God. I bored Tom Waits. And I was like, I, and then I met Phyllis Diller. And she was a big comedy historian, and I just started. Oh, she was. Oh yeah, she oh, loved about she it. Was? Yeah, yeah, she was. You Aww. know, she took me back further. She took me back to like guys I'd never heard of before, like in vaudeville and stuff. You know. Okay. And she's the one who told me about Gene Carroll, which I okay. didn't know anything about. You know who Gene Carroll is? Archie Bunker. No, nah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> it's J E A N. Carroll. No, I, I, why does it sound familiar? She I'm not was like sure. Like a but... woman comic in the 50s and 60s. She oh, night my show. mom made me look her up yes. because she'll be like look up this person look up that person yeah. when i started doing yeah, yeah yeah so i have her written down <laughs> she might have been the first real stand-up comic mm -hmm. female stand-up mm -hmm. comic you know you put her with a mini pearl and 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 mom's maybe right in that yeah she had 40s. a toughness though she no what she had am was I putting the wrong person no 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 what you yeah. know, you have to be in time, Dean right? Carroll. I think it was um, um, David Steinberg says, you know, being ahead of your time is as bad as being behind your time in comedy. You got sure. on time in the moment. And after World War II, America went back to real traditional conservative gender roles. They want the women back in the homes, having kids, take care of the house, the men in the factories. Domestic, and all this, right. right. So she was beautiful, didn't dress down, didn't do right. self-deprecating material. She banged on her husband like the men were banging on women. Right, she'd go, you know the thing that attracted me, my husband was his sense of pride. I never forget the first time I saw him, he was standing on the hill, the wind was blowing his hair, he was too proud to chase after it. Yeah, that, right? uh, like, but she shit on him. Yeah, so, she had, I, right. I don't say self-deprecating, but yeah. she, she had she no did. problem she talking did. trash. Exactly. And I and liked her that. kids, she made fun of her, she'd let yeah. her kids, yes. everybody was just, kids are the best thing, you know, right? And she even complained, she says, I don't know what I'm supposed to talk about. Everybody criticizes me if I talk about my family, and that's what I have. So she really kind of got discouraged. She, she had a sitcom pilot. She had a mm -hmm. sitcom was on for a couple episodes. Like Felicia said, she did a bunch of talk shows. She did uh, Ed Sullivan and all, and she just got wow. tired. Of, she could only work a couple of markets, Miami, New York, shishi rooms, they called them, yeah. the high-end places. And wow. so Phyllis learned from her. Phyllis told me, she goes, when I started doing it, she goes, I knew I had to go all in. You know, to get in, I had to, like, she went self-deprecating. Wow. I have a, uh, so, uh, uh, Rich was a uh, uh, narrator and uh, interviewed people for I Am Comic, which is a documentary yes. that Jordan Brady uh, right. uh, directed. And so Phyllis Diller was on that. So I did some stills in a few of the setups. And so I went and, and I got to photograph Phyllis Diller. Mm. And uh, every if, for people that don't know, Phyllis Diller was like a comedian from back in the day. And she dressed herself down to look kind of yes. like kind of raggy and overweight. She almost looked like a Muppet. Yeah, like, clownish, yeah, very clownish. Very clownish. Yeah. Purposely, yeah. 
purposely went clownish. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And during the interview, Rich uh, brings out a little black and white photograph, and it's of her as a young woman, Mm -hmm. right? And she's like, (laughs) right before she passed away, little tiny, like legs as thin as rose. 93 years old. Yeah. Yeah. And so he brings out a little picture, and it's of her, like when she was very young and, and, and attractive. And then he goes, uh, you know, like, what do you think about this? And there's this moment when she looks at herself, and I took the picture right then, but it was like one of the coolest moments in comedy that I ever experienced. It was that moment when you asked her, like, you know, what was it like having to dress yourself down? You know, yeah. Yeah. did she look like who the hell is that? Like, did yeah. she forget yeah. or did no, she look she like, oh, I remember moment. that. Like, it was like, you know, like it was almost like a longing in, in, in a sense, I feel. But just like, wow, you know, someone dug this up. And then we got to go to her in her dressing room and she had this <laughs> huge ass walk in closet. I have a picture of Rich holding up one of her dresses. So I'm like, <laughs> he's like, so, so. So exciting! Yeah, that, yeah. that would be extremely exciting for yeah. me, whether I ever got into stand up or not. Yeah. Like I, I looked up to her. She purposely yeah. did that. Thought she was great. From yeah. she had she had like five kids or six kids mm-hmm. and, and a deadbeat husband. She was yeah. not messing around. Yeah, you know she had she did it to to make money. She was funny and she she right. loved to express herself. But she wasn't going to go. Oh, I can afford to play the she she rooms in just a couple of markets. She was the first female stand up star. She was the first national cross the board. Wasn't there play like a, a female lunch, a female luncheon, a comedic luncheon at the like across the street somewhere? I was only waiting tables here, and for some reason they were like, "You want to come?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, sure." Like oh, I was really? all excited. I remember Judy Gold was there, and I feel like Phyllis. Is this Dillick. at the House of Blues and that? No, it's the other, the like the standard, like oh, that way. Really? I did. I did. They had one at the Friars Club in New York, like maybe 25 years ago and it went yeah. she was there a bunch of the, remember uh, like the kim tabaras yeah, like yeah. Oh, it was everybody from here yeah. and then like phyllis diller spoke and uh, yeah. and i remember just sitting there mesmerized like i wasn't a comic but i respected it yeah yeah, you know, from waiting tables here. The sweetest thing, though, during this documentary is they had a makeup artist, and uh, and she goes, and he goes, you know, I can I can put eyelashes on you, and she's like, you can put eyelashes on me. Ninety three year old woman, really? I get eyelashes. <laughs> it's the little things. It's the little things. Literally, Felicia, you really paying attention. I do. I pay attention. Oh yeah, Felicia's in it. I believe it. But this is what I want you to tell. Eleanor, I uh, I want to know because a uh, Rich does a show called The History of Stand Up Comedy. Is that uh, specifically what it's called? But uh, what yeah, it, yeah, that's close enough. It's a podcast. That's what we're doing now. Yeah, a uh, History of Stand Up Comedy. No, is we're it doing a, a live show. Or a li- oh, a live show. Yeah, it's really Where great it? show. Well, we did it at the Yard Theater here in December with Felicia. Sol. Bill Maher was there. Like, oh wow! All, all okay. the fellas came out. Yeah, yeah. It was such a great show. That's and it's neat. like when you hear that, you think, oh, it's like a CNN history of comedy kind of, th- you know, approach to it. But no, I hate it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But what Rich does is he'll tell you the real history of how, like, who was the first comic? Artemis, wasn't his name? Artemis Ward. Artemis first Ward. First stand-up. Right. 
I thought it was Dom Herrera. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he was there. (laughs) I wrote his joke. (laughs) I can't make jokes about comics getting older now. One time I made a joke about Kip Adada in Vegas. We were hanging out with a bunch of comics at the MGM, and uh, and someone had a comic book, and 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 they go a dollar twenty five for a comic book, right? And then someone goes, I remember when they were seventy five cents, and then I go, (laughs) Kip remembers when they were free. He got so mad. What? He would I'll not dare talk he, to me the rest of the week. He gets mad. <laughs> really? Little 23 year old girl. I bet you remember when they were free. <laughs> I remember when they were free. <laughs> Great joke, though. First time only. So, anyway. <laughs> but tell her about uh, Artemis Ward because I think she would find that fascinating. Oh, he, yeah. He, so, back in the Civil War, right before the Civil War. Mm-hmm. This guy, now again, no TV, no radio. Gotta remember, this is like yeah. newspapers were the big entertainment. So this guy, he was from Maine, he was always funny, and he decides, he's writing these funny things at Cleveland in his newspaper, and the again, new technology was the telegraph. Well, so they start sending his newspaper funny things that he's posted in the newspaper to other newspapers around the country. Yeah, and he goes viral. He goes viral, and he has a name. <laughs> Artemis Ward is a funny, as a brand, a funny brand. And then he name. says, "I want to go on stage." Now the only thing on stage were clowns, circus clowns, right? And he wasn't interested in doing that. Okay. And they were minstrel show guys. He wasn't interested in doing the minstrel show. You know, put on black face and sing and dance and and do jokes and all. He would write jokes that the minstrel guys would do, and he'd go watch them, and he okay. he see see that his jokes were working. So he goes does a parody of a lecture. And he does deadpan. He virtually creates deadpan where he doesn't, you know, he acts like he's just talking straight, doesn't give any kind of indication he's doing jokes. And he becomes a huge hit, becomes a huge hit in America. He virtually invents invents stand-up comedy. Mark Twain learned from him. Mark Twain and him became friends. Wow. They were on the road part- partying. He partied. He loved hash. Partied. Oh, he drank. And he, That's so he great. He was on the road. But the road it's was so like... so harder to party back then, <laughs> oh, yeah? Oh, oh, oh. You gotta oh. dig it yourself. To fuck it up at the condo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They'd have to find him some days. they go, the show's going, and he's out in the field chasing <laughs> butterflies high as a kite, you know? He's so. growing <laughs> potatoes to make alcohol. You're like, what's happening right now? It's like... <laughs> you know, Abraham Lincoln was a fan. He'd sneak into the White House and make Lincoln laugh during the war. Stop I mean, he it. was really amazing guy out there. His girlfriend was America's first sex symbol. Mm-hmm. I mean, the stories. I mean, he hung out with these bohemians in New York City. But to say inventive stand-up comedy, that's a big... No, there was nobody doing it. One person. Like single person. Sure, single person. I mean, you're going to define it. Maybe let's define it. One person performing in Solo front of a artist. live audience yeah. for the express purpose of making them laugh. That's it. Mm-hmm. Let's that, keep it as simple as possible. Live audience. Yeah, because you, like, you think of a court jester. That's different. Oh. Oh. Uh, it's a clown. Right, right. So Yeah, yeah that is right. Awesome. And it was all words, and then he did like a multimedia kind of thing at the time. Mm-hmm. Multimedia yeah, at the time, what was that? Yeah, they had this thing called that? Panorama. They said oh, Panorama. Okay. Yeah, they, sure, sure. These huge things, on, it was the movies of the time. So this huge thing that covers the stage and had two rollers on each end, and they'd roll it, and the pictures would change as the person would talk. Oh, wow. Or the scene would But it, manually act. roll it. You right, mean, manually like, roll yeah, it, like, right? Or no, yeah. That's amazing. Manually roll it, so it goes across. <laughs> so he did a thing where he goes, I took a trip to Salt Lake City, the Mormons. The Mormons were like, you know considered very they could ran them out of ohio to salt lake sure so they were out there and and it was like big time joke right because they're multiple wives and and they're a big scandal of the country 
And so he went out there to visit them, and he dug them. He liked them. He would he would say he, he was actually like, this said, is enjoyable. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. I mean, but he goes he goes they they almost say pick of the litter here. He's he's that's great. He's going across the desert. He goes from from California to Salt Lake at a time when there was no army out there. There were hostile Indians and armed settlers. That was it. And and he goes, I made jokes about the Mormons before I ever visited them. I owe them a visit. Yeah. Instead of going from San Francisco back to the East Coast, he goes, I owe to find the truth of them. I'm not going to work on hearsay. Right. I'm going right. to go get. I, now I'm going to find out about it. <laughs> I'm going to find out right. some real funny shit. Yeah. And, and he dug them. He liked them. He goes, you know, yeah. Yeah. The, the, he said, the, you know, look, I don't. He, he had a joke. He goes, look, I, I don't know how a guy gets on that many wives. I had a next door neighbor killed himself with one wife. How do you, <laughs> how do you hang with that many, you know? That's amazing. Right. But he was, he was a really, very funny guy. So what happened to him? He got tuberculosis. That was the scourge back then. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, you think, like, don't talk about AIDS or, or any sure. kind of thing. Virtually, like, in that era, like, and like traveling 20%, and, uh, 20% of young people between the age of 15 and 35 died of TB. Really? Like really, I mean, and you wow. got it. You, you, there was no nothing to do. You were going to die, uh-huh. just depending on how fast it would happen, mm-hmm. right? And so he got it, and he died in England. He went to England, England. He got all the way to England. So he had it in his mind. He always had his mind because England was it. Everything we sent over there culturally, they went, "Come on, man, you guys are a bunch of rubes." They right. looked at us. They thought like American comedy was just a guy dancing to banjo music, you know, wearing buckskin, you know, skin. Outfit on stage. They just look yeah. at this as rude. Oh, that's carrot top. <laughs> <laughs> See, people were thinking before their time. He, so, uh, my, so yeah, so he yeah. went there. He went there and knocked them, knocked them out, man. That's amazing. Uh, they, they used to say back then, instead of like killed, because he hit him hard. That's he hit him hard. He hit him hard, man. So how did it uh, s- s- spread uh, 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 after that? Like so, okay. who came after that? Then? Yeah. So Twain, when he was dying in England, Twain was going on stage, and Twain admitted. He was doing exactly what he saw Artemis Ward do in San Francisco. Wow. So Twain was Twain was going on stage in 1867 to do exactly the same thing. But so would you consider Mark Twain a stand-up comedian? At that time he was. He wasn't really he was known a little bit for his writing, but he wasn't known as much for his writing then as he was going on stage. He made money live. Mm-hmm. He made more money yeah. on stage than he made writing. Then he took a break and started writing. Yeah, but he hated travel. <laughs> he hated travel. Man, travel was killing him. Yeah. You, Can you, mean, you got boils. You got boils. They called them carbuncles because the seats were all hard. The rides were rough. I mean, like you, you'd sure. come out, you'd, you'd bleed and yeah. you peed because your your kidneys would get rattled, and you'd knock teeth out in stagecoaches. People think you see them in the movies, like they're just kind of jostling around. Uh-huh. You know, kind of, no, no. You'd, you'd like fly and hit the top and knock your teeth out, and uh, oh. so he hated travel. But he was a bad business person, you know, and he, he lost a lot of money. So he, he had a, there's a famous tour he did in 1895 when he was 60 years old. Mm-hmm. World tour, world tour, stand-up comedy tour. 18 To make enough money to pay off his debts and everything because there was no bankruptcy back then. So then after Artemis Ward, who do you think uh, takes it, uh, and then Mark Twain takes it to the next level? Well, then then you have vaudeville comes along because mm-hmm. between Twain and Twain and, and Artemis Ward and vaudeville there was these called concert saloons which were the entertainment that stand-up would be in stand-up's right. always been the people's kind of art form it's it's never been high class it's always been you know working it's definitely class. working yeah right rich people don't need a sense of humor they got the money yeah <laughs> so he he um uh, uh when Artemis Ward died the concert saloons were like, they were just brothels, just men mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. women there servicing them. That's strictly what, so that was slapstick. 
Got it. There, there, were, there were no guys doing monologues because they just wanted to see guys beat each other with sticks. Hilarious. <laughs> literal literal, literal. That's what it was. Oh, wow. Literal. And then, then Baldville comes. <laughs> Next time somebody says, you want to do some slaps? I'm good. <laughs> yeah, Baldville comes. They start doing, they start doing um, stand-up comedy. Finds a place to start you know, working in vaudeville. But it was mm -hmm. acoustic. Yeah. Right? So you had to yell your jokes. So that's why I had a lot of people singing song parodies mm -hmm. and, and making funny faces and silly dancing. Big, broad, physical, physical, physical It's definitely act. an act. Like you have an uh, act. There's no question. Yeah. And you yelled things. And there was guys like Charlie Case who were monologists and J.J. And Thornton. And there were monologists coming along. Yeah. Right? Was... Um, so... Yeah, that's interesting. Who would be the next level? Yeah, like yeah. Baudevillian. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There were there were there were a lot of comics back then. I have some like old seventy eights from turn of the century right? mm -hmm. of the, of these people and and uh, uh, John Heyman and uh, uh, just a bunch of yeah. old. Uh, you never heard of them now, right? Right. Yeah, because it's like that's definitely like oh, I have to look that up. Right. Yeah, because <laughs> the records are them. I have a lot of Googling with no audience. Guys, Comedy Store Podcast is back. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Please leave us your negative and positive comments, mostly negative. You can follow me at Rick Ingram. I only accept positivity in my life. <laughs> the new Rick is here and EJ Kerrigan still with the negativity, but like and subscribe. <laughs>